Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chromatic Distortion with Corey Caesar. even on testicles one two testicles one two what's going on all you beautiful bastards and all you beautiful people that have a father in your life welcome back to chromatic distortion i'm your host that mildly quaint Corey caesar episode 39 is upon you guys uh, i think we're entitling this you have a methed up vagina um and we've been hitting you with that consistency five weeks in a row five straight episodes i really do hope you've been enjoying the uptick in the publications it seems like you have because the numbers have been real solid so I do want to thank all the past listeners and welcome any of uh, you first-time listeners to the show. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. Um, and speaking of those numbers, just real quick, uh, we, went, we, went, we went over 7,000 downloads a day or two ago. So I think the goal, the uh, what we're going to try to achieve is 10,000 downloads. 10,000 downloads by the end of the year. I think that's very attainable. That's very achievable. Um, it's the pace we're pretty much on right now. Um, and with the uptick in publications, I believe that's going to happen. So um, this is a current events episode, and these actually seem to be the new uh, the new fan favorites. Uh, they're even out doing the most recent Serial Kill edition, which is which is pretty fucking nutty because those are the ones we get the most listens on, and those are the ones we get the most back listens on. So we get a lot of back listens on, on, on my show. Um, that means um, people go back and actually listen to previous episodes, um, and it's almost like a 50-50. It's almost like a 50-50 mark. I get pretty much about the same amount of weekly listens on a new episode that I do on a past on past episodes, you know, obviously mixed out through those episodes, but the same numbers. Um, so if I have like a hundred on that first week on my, on my new episode, I'll get, I get like a hundred back plays also. So that's great. That means people are interested. That means people are enjoying the content and they're going back and, um, and, and seeing what else is. And those are usually, so what, what I meant by the, uh, the, those serial killer editions, those usually get the most, um, plays right off the bat and then they always get the most um, um, listens after the fact does that make sense like back plays people always go back and listen, listen to those um, so so it's real nutty that these <clears throat> excuse me that these current event episodes have kind of taken the, the that place of the serial killer editions and uh, I kind of like these two myself because I get to be a little bit more myself I get to be a little bit more funny a little bit more just a little bit more loose it's a, it's a less scripted episode I guess in, in a way Um and just for reference, I mean, that last episode, uh, 36, uh, current events, a small price to pay. It already has more listens than episode 35 serial killer edition on Dorothea Puente. And that was done a week earlier. So that, that dropped even first. So that's, that's awesome. I really do appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, so let's, let's just jump right in to today's episode and let's see what, uh, see what tomfoolery has taken place over the last few weeks. Um, and this story is like a revenge tale. This first one, it's like a revenge tale for all of us. Um, cause the FBI finally got one for us guys. They finally got a hold of one of them Nigerian princes. We always hear about, you know, the ones that always, uh, they won the lottery, you know, and they want to give you the money. So send me some money first. And we're always like, who the fuck are these people? And well, they found out, they found at least a few, uh, at least one, uh, one ring. Um, so check it out. There was a relationship and it was between a Japanese woman and a U.S. army captain 
who claimed to be a U.S. Army captain who was stationed in Syria. That's uh, And this relationship started online. And it started through an international social network for digital pen pals. And it grew into an internet ra- uh, romance that lasted over 10 months of daily emails. Now, it ended with this poor woman, $200,000 poor, and on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, and she actually borrowed this money from her sister, her ex-husband, and friends, bruh, to help Captain Terry Garcia with his plans to smuggle diamonds out of Syria. So just real quick, if you uh, if you want to know more about Syria, so there is a war in Syria right now. It's a civil war. It's, it's very brutal. It's a humanitarian crisis. Um, and, and the U.S., the United States of America, has a lot to do with that. Um, so we, uh, I covered it. I covered it on episode 28, Why So Serious. And you know I like to plug shit as we do episodes. So go back after this and, and listen to that. It's a very good episode. It's very informative. One of my favorite episodes, to be honest with you. Um, now, in reality, though, obviously there were no diamonds and there actually was no Garcia. They were part of an elaborate scam hatched by an international ring of cyber thieves operating mainly out of Los Angeles and, you guessed it, Nigeria. Now, federal authorities cited the case of the Japanese woman known only as FK uh, in court papers when they announced an indictment charging 80 people with stealing $6 million and attempting to steal another $40 million through various schemes that targeted businesses, the elderly, and anyone susceptible to a romance scam. Ooh, catfished. Um, and most of these defendants, though, were Nigerian. Um we believe this is one of the largest cases of its kind in U.S. history. U.S. Attorney Nick Hanna told a news conference, we are taking a major step to disrupt these criminal networks. Now, this investigation itself began in 2016 with just a single bank account and one victim. It grew to encompass victims who were targeted in the U.S. and around the world, some of whom, like the Japanese woman, lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, FK... FK was and is extremely depressed and angry about these losses, the federal complaint states. She began crying when discussing the way that these losses have affected her. Now, I don't know, man. I'm on the fence with this chick because she was trying to smuggle diamonds out of Syria. I mean, that's kind of a crime, I would assume, like because you had to know you're doing something semi-illegal here. Um, but, but I mean, they honey-dicked her. So her, her relationship began innocently in March of 2016 with an email but soon Garcia made quote-unquote romantic overtures, uh, and he told her they couldn't talk by phone because he wasn't allowed to use one in Syria. It's like, well, well, how are you sending me emails then? Can we, uh, can we Facetime or something, or 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 is that not? A, I mean, you got internet, so uh, sketchy. Um, so uh. Basically, a stream of emails went back and forth with her using Google to translate his English into her Japanese. A month into the relationship, Garcia told her he found a bag of diamonds in Syria, and he began introducing her to his associates, stating, uh, starting with a Red Cross representative who told her Garcia had been injured but had given him the box. So it's like, you know, the, this humanitarian Red Cross, they're like, we'll help you get these We'll help you. I all oh, you've been hurt. We'll help you get these diamonds out. Don't worry. I'll contact your little girlfriend in in uh, Japan who's sending you money. We'll make sure these diamonds get to the right place. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Um, so FK ultimately made thirty five to forty p- 
payments, guys. Receiving as many as 10 to 15 emails a day directing her to send money to an account in the U.S., Turkey, and the United Kingdom through the captain's many purported associates. Now, the fraudsters even threatened her with arrest if she didn't continue to pay. And at one point, she traveled to Los Angeles because she was told a Russian bank manager had embezzled more than $33,000 of her funds. Authorities arrested 14 defendants, mostly in the Los Angeles areas. Um, Two suspects were previously in custody and a few others were arrested earlier that week. Um, Hannah said he hoped to be able to work with foreign governments to extradite the remaining defendants. Good fucking luck. Um, They all face charges of conspiracy to commit fraud, conspiracy to uh, launder money, and aggravated identity theft. And some are charged with additional offenses for alleged fraud and money money laundering. Uh, Nothing will come up. The people in America, they'll they'll get thrown in jail. Those people they arrested in Los Angeles... Good luck extraditing those other people. Sorry, they're, they're going to continue to be Nigerian princes. Um, we had a woman found with meth in her poisse, man. Right up in that pussy, dude. And she claims it wasn't hers. In the case of rapey meth running amok, um, police in Louisiana say they found meth when they did a body cavity search on a woman who proceeded to claim the drugs weren't hers, and she didn't know how they even got there. I don't know how these fucking drugs got in my pussy. I didn't feel them. I must have been raped. The uh, Washita Parish Sheriff's Office say 23-year-old Ashley Rowland of Galliano was arrested on a felony theft charge and possession of a controlled and dangerous substance after a man she had been staying with for about a week complained that she took about $5,000 off his dresser and then dip. Now, I got a Ben Franklin that says that dude is either a drug dealer or her pimp and or her John. You know, got to be one of those three or a combination of of two of them. Um, Authorities say a female correctional officer found $6,233 along with a clear plastic uh, bag of roughly one gram of meth in uh, Roland's vagina. Now, Roland said it wasn't hers, like I said, and didn't know how it got there. Now, I can, uh, I cannot really tell or distinguish by reading that if they mean they found six grand on her persons and then a gram of meth in her vagina or if they were both up there, right? Now, I hope it was the former because that's a widespread and a stretch for six grand, um, you know, for, for six stacks. That's a, that's, you know, it's. That's a, that's a big stretch. Um, now, Bond was set at $8,000 only or 125% of her vagina capacity for you math guys. Ooh. Um, so, uh, Chiquita, Chiquita Bananas, guys, they might have some explaining to do. Uh, after grocery store employees found $1 million worth of cocaine in a banana shipment. What? There's always money in the banana stand. And there's apparently cocaine in the banana box, over $1 million, in fact. Now, grocery store employees in Washington got a shocking surprise when they opened up shipments of bananas over the weekend and found dozens of pounds of that nose candy. Three Safeway grocery stores in uh, Bellingham, Woodenville, and Federal Way received the boxes of bananas that yielded the drugs. Um, And that's according to the King County Sheriff's Office. 
the store in Wood, uh, Woodenville was the first to call the police and say they found the suspicious brown papered bricks labeled with the letters CK among the uh, uh, the boxes of, of bananas. Now, uh, nobody's going to crack that code, Einstein. I'm, I'm pretty sure CK stands for Coke. You know? Um, they're like, man, we'll just put CK on it. No one will ever know what these are. They'll just think they're bananas. Um, they were in the back in the produce area, and they were unstacking large boxes of bananas that they had uh, just gotten in through a central warehouse. And as they were unstacking the bananas, two of the boxes caught their eye because they didn't have bananas in them. King County Deputy Ryan... Uh, Abbott said there there were a couple moldy bananas on top, but underneath were several several rectangular shaped wrapped in brown paper blocks that they cut into and uh, and, and saw a white powdery substance that they and, and then they immediately called the police. Now, deputies tested the substance, which proved to be cocaine. The boxes in Woodenville turned uh turned out to contain 22 kilograms of cocaine, about 48.5 pounds, with a street value of about $550,000. But the boxes in Woodenville were just the first shipments. So the uh, Safeway employees in Bellingham found 23 kilos, about 50 pounds. Um, And and (laughs) the police lieutenant, Claudia Murphy, said, it was very likely um, a mistake made. The shipment was definitely not meant to come to these stores. Uh, I'm sure it took a great detective work, right, guys, to, to come to that conclusion that a drug cartel who's shipping Coke through banana produce didn't purposely send them to the stores as actual fucking bananas. Like, like, did you really have to tell people that? Like, oh, I think they just made a mistake. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty uh, apparent that they that they fucked up there, guy. Um. And then, and then a, one more smaller shipment of cocaine, about 24 pounds, was found at a Federal Way grocery store. All told, the street value of the drugs was about $1.25 million. Um, all three stores received the boxes from a central warehouse in Auburn, uh, Washington. The King County Sheriff's Office said all other shipments to Safeway grocery stores have been searched. And they said uh, Safeway has been extremely cooperative with police. I mean, obviously. And authorities are still determining where the cocaine uh, came from. Uh, though a task uh, Abbott called a complicated investigation. I mean, what's so complicated about it? Sticking to the drug theme, we got a uh, we got going here. Iron Mike Tyson said he smokes forty thousand dollars worth of marijuana every month at his ranch. How the fuck do I get on that guy's entourage? Now, my guy is clearly enjoying his retirement at uh, the Tyson Ranch. In recent, uh, in a recent episode of Tyson's podcast, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, Tyson opened up uh, about his marijuana use. Now, an industry he has ventured into since the last, since his last fight in 2005. But he doesn't just grow marijuana. Apparently, he's an avid user too, like an extremely uh, uh, avid user. Uh, what do we smoke a month? Tyson asked his co-host uh, Evan Britton before finishing his thought. It's about 40000 a month, Britton said, dude. And he put that amount into a different yet equally alarming figure. And the, the report said alarming. I don't think it's alarming. I think it's like, fuck yeah, dude. Bring in that piece. Um, we smoke 10 tons of weed a month at the ranch. That's 20,000 pounds for you math inclined. 10 tons of weed, bro, 
a month. Now, Tyson opened a a 40-acre ranch, the Tyson Ranch, earlier this year to grow what he called better cannabis. Um, That gives customers the best the plant has to offer in every single one of our products. However, Tyson did reveal that his ranch is selling around $500,000 of marijuana each month to dispensaries in Nevada and California. So it seems uh, uh, Tyson dipping into his own supply isn't hurting his business uh, too badly. Um, That old adage, uh, don't get high off your own supply, doesn't really apply here, guys. I mean, dude's dude's doing like $6 million a year in marijuana sales. Uh, Good for you, Mike. Um, Still, in uh, in exaggeration or not, $40,000 is an insane amount to spend on marijuana each month, regardless of where it comes from or how many people Tyson has helping him smoke it. The marijuana business, though, is clearly treating the legendary box boxer extremely well. It's treating a lot of people extremely well. And uh, more power to you. Get your money, guys. Um, onto some, uh, onto some of uh, that criminal mischief you all crazy bastards love so much. We had 19 bodies found. And they were hanged, butchered in a suspected uh, Mexican gang turf war. So Mexican police found 19 dead bodies, some hanged from an overpass and others butchered and dumped in the streets. And what authorities suspect, like I said, a gang turf war. Now, nine bodies were found in the city of uh, Europan, hanging from an overpass. Seven other bodies were chopped up and dumped on the road, with three additional bodies hacked up and left further down the road. There was also a drug cartel banner hanging on the overpass that was not entirely legible, apparently, and it read in part, be a patriot, kill a Viagra. Yeah, I said that right, according to the Associated Press. Now, I guess a, a Viagra means something different in Mexico than it does in America, unless they meant uh, killing dicks pretending to be hard, right? Uh, uh, authorities suspect the banner is from the bloodthirsty uh, Jalisco drug cartel, whose rival is... The Viagra's gang, apparently. I'm sorry, I uh, I just can't take a gang named Viagra, like very seriously. Please, please, don't murder me for saying that. It's a joke, guys. Don't, don't, don't track me down. Um, certain, certain, uh, certain criminal gangs are fighting over territory to control activities related to drug production, distribution, and consumption. Unfortunately, this conflict results in these kinds of acts that justifiably alarm the public. Some of these bodies were hanged with their hands bound and others with their pants down. Two of the bodies hanging on the overpass were women and were half naked. One dismembered body was also a female. All the victims had been shot to death. The act is a sobering sobering reminder of the height of Mexico's drug war. In 2011 and 2012, when dozens of bodies would be dumped in piles along the highways, including many decapitated bodies. Y'all remember that? You know, you guys always like to talk about how fucking great shit was just four years ago, five years ago, six years ago. Oh, man, look how far, how far uh, every the whole world's falling apart all of a sudden. Really? Because the height of this fucking murdering people and just throwing them in the streets to send messages, the height of that was in 2011, 2012. So... The world was kind of shit back then too. Sorry you weren't fucking, uh, you, you didn't care enough back then until somebody you didn't like, you know, made it easy for you to care, right? Right. So I don't know. To me, that means you don't really give a fuck. You just kind of like to virtue signal a little bit. Yeah, just my opinion. Chastise me if you like on the DMs in my Instagram uh, uh, 
account. That's where we take the criticism, guys. Um, this kind of public theatrical violence where you don't just kill, but you brag about killing is meant to intimidate rivals and send a message to the authorities. This kind of cynical impunity has been increasing. Now, this year, Mexico has surpassed its own homicide record, uh, which is up 5.3% with 17,608 homicides um, when compared to the first part of 2018. So uh, Mexico boasts a population of more than 129 million people. Um, Europe, where this all, all took place, located approximately 250 miles west of the country's capital, Mexico City, had a population of approximately 315,000 as of 2010. Moving on, we had a cannibalism trial pop up that reminded us that uh, we are all some strange ass species. When police in Jefferson, uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana, found Tammy Joe Blanton's dismembered body in her bathtub, uh, it was draped, uh, draped with a camping tent and had suffered at least 25 stab, stab wounds and blunt force injuries on her throat, neck, nose, mouth, lips, fingers, and chest. Joseph. Uh, uh, Oberhansley. Wow, what a weird name. Joseph Oberhansley butchered Tammy Blanton like you wouldn't uh like you wouldn't kill a livestock animal. Cork County prosecutors Jeremy Mull told the 12 jurors, but this lady died with dignity, he also claimed. This so this dude who's 38 is facing life in prison without parole on charges of murder, rape, and burglary. After authorities say he stalked, raped, and killed Blanton, and then ate parts of her body in 2014, the prosecution and the defense agreed to take the death penalty off the table if Oberhansley's attorney agreed not to use the uh, insanity as a defense. Now, since February 2017, uh, Oberhansley's mental uh, competency has been an issue, which has delayed this trial process. Three state psychiatrists and uh, psychologists in 2017 found that he wasn't competent to stand trial. But after the, more than a year of treatment at an Indiana state psychiatric facility, he was then deemed competent. Um, Oberhansley's defense attorney, Bart Bateo and Brent Wester, uh, Westerfeld, filed another motion to revisit this competency issue. They told Clark County Circuit Judge Vicki Carmichael, uh, that do continues to show distrust and complaints about the way he's being represented. In April, Carmichael ruled uh, that Oberhainsley, who filed a motion to withdraw the insanity defense his attorney promoted, could reject the insanity plea. Ober, uh, Oberhainsley told the judge he felt that using that defense would all uh, would admit guilt and likely wouldn't work. So a little, just a little backstory here. Um. Blanton, the, the murdered the murdered woman, and Oberhainsley have been dating and briefly lived together in a few uh in the few months leading to her death uh, on September 11th, 2014. Just days before, though, Blanton had broken off the relationship and changed the locks on her uh, Jeffersonville home. Mole uh, told the story. First of all, if you're dating a dude for two months. Three months, like like this this story suggesting, don't give a motherfucker a key to your place. First of all, why you, why you have to change your locks? Why that tells me you're you're just as crazy as him, man. People fall in love so quick, dude. It's like, yeah, move in two months, please have a key. It's like, what? Do I even know you? You don't know nothing about me yet. 
It takes years to know somebody, guys. Sorry to burst your bubbles, but you can't fall in love with someone in two months and be married in six and then, and then wonder why it falls apart after two years because that's the normal ma- uh, uh, manifestation of a relationship, about two years. After two years, the romance is completely gone in terms of what, what I mean by romance is like that initial romance, like that, that oh my God, this is so new, this is so great. And you actually have to like like that person now and everything they're about. And, and all the fucking things you don't like, they get a little bit more amplified after about two years. So just remember that when, you, when, you're, when you're, I love you after two months, I love you, here's a key to my place. Well, you might end up murdered like this lady because you guys are both a little fucking weird. Um... Sorry, I was a little. Uh, I digress. Um, the day before she was, uh, the day before she was murdered, Blanton told her friend uh, and coworkers that she was taking her life back. Good for you. Uh, she said she wasn't going to live in fear of her ex-boyfriend or stay at a friend's house anymore. Mole told jurors that in the final moments before Blanton died, she locked herself in the bathroom, hoping to save her life. Evidence shows that Overhandsley forced open the door. During a videotaped interview with police, when asked what Blanton uh, said after he kicked in that bathroom door, Overhandsley said, truth be told, she wasn't, uh, she really wasn't all that scared, surprisingly. Like she knew. Like she knew she was going to die. You know what I mean. In the last moments, she wasn't going to give him the pleasure of seeing her scared. That's what that mall, that's what that mall detective said. So it sounded like he wanted to kind of like he kicked in that door and he wanted her to be afraid and, and she didn't give him she didn't give him that uh that satisfaction. Good for you. Uh moving on to a flight or fight situation. We had a nightmare JFK flight to Miami was delayed for so long that cops had to be summoned after the uh fights broke out between frustrated and exhausted passengers. Delta Flight 2385 sat on the tarmac for nearly eight fucking hours at the Queens Airport on Thursday with things getting out of control when sparring broke out. People were like, let's just throw down, dude. Fuck it. Uh, this has gotten out of control. There are people fighting each other, and it's gotten both verbal and physical. Passenger uh, Juan Andres uh, Ahmad tweeted, um... Uh, police, police are on the plane. Complete chaos. Uh, I understand weather delays, and we all want to be safe. But this is uh, not about weather, but about how Delta has handled it. In another tweet, now in a in a in a even a third tweet, Ahmad said that the plane's captain had no idea where the ship's crew even was. So there was, there must not have been no no crew on the plane even. Now, this plane was scheduled to take off at 3.52 p.m., but was delayed due to poor weather, and it didn't take off until 11 p.m., landing in Miami at 2.30 a.m. Now, oh, excuse me. Uh, first of all, I think that's the most retarded fucking rule. Um, if you're going to be delayed like that, let everyone off the fucking plane. Okay, I've been stuck on the tarmac for like an hour. And I've been on flights that were like 13, 14 hours straight, like straight through. And that hour waiting on that tarmac was by far worse. It was it was worse than the 13, 13 hours actually in the air. So I feel these people's frustration and pain. Um, so stupid. Does not make sense. Why does why do people have to sit on that little ass plane for eight hours? There's no water, there's not much food. Like just let people off. Like, what are we doing here? 
There's a delay. Like we can we can reboard the plane. Um, Port Authority police restored calm, but said there were no arrests. Um, the incident was the second mishap for Delta in recent days. A day earlier, passengers uh, on JFK bound Delta Flight 100 had a scare when their plane filled with a fog-like mist. The plane was waiting to depart Jacksonville when the mist invaded, and the flight crew made a joke out of it. The flight went on to land in New York without incident, and then a Delta spokesperson said that during hot summer and humid conditions, it's not uncommon to see brief periods of condensation fog in the cabin. I mean, that sounds legit as fuck. I've been on... uh, I don't know, 50, 60 plane flights in my life probably, and uh, not one time, I've been, and I've flown in hot-ass humid shit, not one time have I ever seen condensation fog up the cabin. Sorry, just has not happened ever in my experience. I know it's real anecdotal to use your experience, but I don't know, man. They don't, they don't, that, that don't, I said sounds legit. That, that's sarcasm, guys. Um, Now, you guys, do, do you guys remember when, uh, when swatting was a big fad? Like eating Tide Pods and inserting alcohol-soaked tampons in your ass were. Well, it happened again when a 16-year-old Fortnite champion, and and yes, you heard that correctly, and that's a real-life thing, was swatted during a live stream. Now, a Pennsylvania gaming whiz who just won the Fortnite World Champion uh, Cup, uh, Fortnite World Cup, I guess is what they call it, last month, and took home a golden goblet, which is like, yeah, that's cool. He got a, he got a trophy. But guess what else he got? Three million fucking dollars. Three million dollars, guys. Three million dollars. He rich. 16-year-old rich kid playing a video game. Fuck yeah. More power to you, guy. Capitalism's fucking amazing. Um, but this weekend, Kyle Buga uh, Gearsdorf received a different kind of shock. The 16-year-old was in the middle of a Fortnite live stream session with friends when his father abruptly interrupted the game. Now, Gearsdorf was swatted which is a potentially deadly prank when someone calls authorities and directs them to an innocent person's home. In this case, authorities said the caller reported to, an, uh, to emergency operators that Gearsdorf had shot his father. Yep, that's what these little kids are doing. Caller said he just shot his father with an AK-47. He said he tied up his mother in the garage and he shot him up and down his body. Yep, this is, this is, this is the idea is you keep giving these little kids when you just fucking promote the shit all over the TV, you know, it's real easy to say, hey, someone shot someone with an AK-47. Boom. Let's cause fucking pandemonium. Um, I can't believe that someone would actually do that, he said on his stream. Um, I'm sorry. I, I missed the whole little part, dude. Um, so Geardoff then returned to his live stream just 10 minutes after one of the uh, officers who lived in the neighborhood recognized him. So he lucked out. Now, Gearsdorf said on his live stream that the responding officers had come in with their guns and wondered if uh, if it could have played out, you know, differently. And of course it could have. Of course it could have played out differently. Uh, I can't believe that someone would actually do that, he said on his stream. Now, swatting can't be a deadly prank. In 2017, Andrew Finch, 28, was playing Call of Duty when this virgin competitor he was playing called in a false hostage report and directed police to his home. And then what happens, guys? When you force the police's hands to come in because they believe that there's a hostile situation here with guns, right? And we got to protect everybody. Right? Guns are so scary. So we got to fuck, man, we got to stop this right now. Otherwise, this could get real crazy and real, real bad for us. And so they, they, they went in and they murdered him. They shot him because they didn't know what they were walking into. You knew. 
and and then you're laughing about it. Like that's a game to you guys. Fucking stupid, dude. Um, now the FBI has estimated that roughly 400 cases of swatting occurred nationwide every year. Homie's dad, Glenn, uh, had a message for the person who swatted his son. To the individual who attempted to have our home swatted and could have possibly gotten someone injured in the process, I don't hate you, he said. I'm sorry that your life has brought you to this. And I second that, actually. That's a, that's a great point. I'm sorry that you're so trash that you think it's funny to endanger lives for, for a laugh or because you couldn't handle defeat. This is what participation trophies and no personal accountability for actions has led us to. This is the path that's led us down, guys. Congratulations. This is the America you want. Um, uh, uh, Later in the same live stream, the team demonstrated the same focus that made him the World Cup uh, champ and won his game. Uh, And he's basically just a 16-year-old millionaire pimp, dude. More power to you, my dude. Um, Let's check in on some animals and some nature because you know that's... uh, it's one of our favorite topics here. We love animals. We love nature. And I read a really, <clears throat> excuse me, I read a really uh, sad story about some tigers this week. And uh, if you guys don't know, cats are my favorite animals by far. They're they're my favorite, just my favorite. And I'm talking all the kitties, from big cats to my little domesticated. But she does think she's a panther. Um, little kitty Annabelle Rose. I, I love them all, man. They're they're so fucking majestic. Um, but more than 2,300 endangered tigers have been killed and illegally trafficked since the turn of the century, according to a report published Tuesday, urging more action to protect the giant cats. With an average of more than 120 illegally trafficked tigers seized each year, the report author um, Kanitha Krishami who heads the uh, Traffic Southeast Asia operations, said the numbers were deeply concerning. It looks like we're losing the fight, she said. In 1900, there was more than 100,000 tigers that were estimated to roam this planet. But that fell to a record low 3,200 globally in 2010. That's insane to me when I read that. First of all, I didn't realize we were ever that limited in tigers. Only 100,000. That don't seem like very much, right? That don't seem like a very large... um, a group like uh, like that doesn't seem like a very sustainable number 100,000 just doesn't I mean that spread out how do they reproduce it's so so that's nuts to me and then only in 100 years all the way down to 3,200 which I didn't realize the tiger's population was that low that's pretty that's pretty sad um now but um since then population numbers have inched upwards so that that's a a sign of progress at least but there are still estimated to be fewer than uh 3,900 tigers left in the wild this uh, pernicious trafficking evident by the continuously high number of a, of whole skins, whole animals, both dead and alive, and bones is testament to the ongoing demand for tiger parts, um, Krinshan Sami said. The time for talking is over. Words must be turned into action to prevent further tiger loss, she said. Traffic, which... Uh, campaigns to protect endangered animals and help governments catch those who trade in their parts, published a new ana- analysis looking at 19 years of tiger seizure data from across the globe. It found that an estimated total equivalent of 2,359 individual tigers were seized from 2000 to 2018 across 32 countries and territories. Skins are the single most frequent seized tiger part, with an average of 58 whole tiger skins seized each year. Also noting a clear increase in uh, seizures of whole animals, both dead and alive, 
The study also highlighted the growing role breeding uh, centers play in fueling the illegal tiger trade. Um, the tiger farm industry often argues the trade in captive animals helps to rely, uh, to relieve the pressure on wild felines. But wildlife groups argue it reduces the stigma around buying the animals um, or their body parts or could even create new markets for them. Now, more than half of tiger seizures in Thailand and third uh, and a third of those in Vietnam over the past two decades were identified as coming from captive breeding facilities. Seizures of tigers from captive facilities continue to serve as a stark reminder that such facilities seriously undermine conservation efforts to safeguard this species and provide opportunities for laundering and other illegal activities. Tuesday's report was released as parties to the convention uh, on international trade and endangered species, also known as cities, uh, met in Geneva to evaluate and fine-tune the treaty that manages trade in more than 35,000 species of plants and animals. Um, tiger farms are on the agenda, with report authors citing that cities to monitor uh, facilities to ensure that they are uh, not helping feed the illegal trade chain. Listen, guys, it's real fucking simple. If you aren't eating it, leave it the fuck alone. It's that simple, man. If you're not eating the animal, leave it the fuck alone. And even if you are eating it, right, you kill that animal as quickly and as painlessly as possible, always with respect and gratitude for its sacrifice and contribution to the food chain. Okay? It's real simple, man. It's real fucking simple. Um, one uh, here, uh, Moving on, one of the main seeders of life on this planet mobbed up. And made an appearance, and I'm talking about those pimp-ass honeybees, another one of my favorite uh, insects. Uh, in case you didn't know, uh, we need honeybees, guys. We need honeybees to uh, pollinate the food and plants and flowers and all that shit. They're like God's little sperm carriers. That's what that's what honeybees are. They they carry God they carry God's little sperm everywhere, and just you know drop that sperm over everything so it grows. Um, so my point is, don't kill honeybees. Don't kill honeybees. Don't kill bumblebees. They are not aggressive. Leave them alone. They won't fuck with you. Now, you can murder the fuck out of hornets, wasps, and uh, yellow jackets. And there, there is an easy way. So, um, you know, there, there is an easy way to distinguish um, that asshole imposter yellow jacket from a, from a honeybee. Now, yellow jackets have them long, uh, them long ass back legs dropping down. Dude kind of looks like he got two small dicks hanging down uh, 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 at the end, right? You uh, uh, by you know like literally has so when he's flying and he's looking at you, he got two two legs dropped dropped down. That's a fucking yellow jacket. You can end that motherfucker's life. Honeybee's legs are, are up like a landing gear. Put it that way. Um, so basically, we had this swarm. We had a swarm of two uh, twenty five thousand bees that took over a Staten Island ferry terminal. Uh, until police remove them. Now, Cornell University senior honeybee extension associate Emma Mullen said that s- swarming is a, is the natural uh, phenomenon of honeybee colon, uh, colony reproduction. Under the right environment and colony conditions, the queen leaves the hive with a few thousand of her daughter bees, and they temporarily cluster on a tree branch or other structure where they remain while they collectively decide where their home new, uh, new home will be. Now, bees pollinate approximately 75% of the fruits, nuts, and vegetables grown in the United States. And one out of every four bites of food people take is courtesy of bee pollination. 
according to the U.S. Geological Survey. In some, bee pollination is responsible for more than 15 billion in increased crop value each year. This means that taking any action to kill a bee swarm is the wrong idea. Honeybees face many stress factors in New York, so calling a swarm catcher instead of a pest control can help preserve these colonies, she said. And uh, that's exactly what these, these New Yorkers did, so kudos to them. Moving on, we had a, a, a black hole devouring a, neut- a neutron star, guys, cause ripples in space and time, scientists say. Ooh, dude, outer space is so fucking pimp. Um, the Australian National University, ANU, uh, which participated in this research, explained that the cataclysmic event was detected on August 14th, 2019 by gravitational wave discovery machines in the U.S. and Italy. The machines detected a ripple in space and time from an event that happened about, you know, just 8,550 million trillion kilometers away from Earth. Think about that, dude. And we're fucking monitoring that shit. Um, Neuron stars and black holes are the super dense remains of dead stars, it explained, noting that scientists are still studying the data to work out um, the size of the two objects. About 900 million years ago, the black hole ate a very dense star, known as a neuron star, like Pac-Man, basically, possibly snuffing out the star instantly, said Professor Susan Scott, and she's the leader of the General Relativity uh, Relativity Theory and Data Analysis Group at ANU. Um, Initial findings suggest a very strong likelihood of a black hole devouring a neuron star. Um, Scientists have never detected a black hole smaller than five solar masses of a neuron, uh, or a neuron star larger than about two, uh, 2.5 times the mass of our sun, said Scott. Based on this experience, we're very confident that we've just detected a black hole gobbling up a neuron star. However, Scott also acknowledges the slight possibility that the swallowed object was eh, a very light black hole. The advanced laser uh uh, Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, or LIGO, which is operated by Caltech and MIT, detected this event, uh, as did the Virgo sister facility near Pisa, Italy. Now, LIGO uses identi- identical detector sites in Washington State and Louisiana to operate as a single observatory. Virgo is located uh, at the site of the European Gravitational uh, Observatory, or EGO. In a separate project, scientists released the first ever image of a black hole earlier this year, revealing the distant object in stunning detail. I, I, I recommend you all looking that up. It's fucking phenomenal. Um, all right, the last little story we're going to uh, to laugh about comes courtesy of CNN anchor Chris Kumo. I hope you made it to this part because this is my favorite part of the show right now. Because uh, <laughs> it's fucking so stupid, dude. So I got this small tidbit, guys. And before I play this clip, um, uh, just just for reference, just for some little background, Chris Kumo's father, Mario Kumo, was the governor of New York. Now, Chris's brother, Andrew, is the current governor of New York. And Chris is, you know, the little sh- is a little sheet mouthpiece for CNN and the clear underachiever of the family. So with that in mind, let's listen to this, this exchange um, that he had in public, and then, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. So here you go. 
I thought that's who you were. No, punk-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Fredo is from The Godfather. He was that weak brother. I know it was you, Fredo. And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Are you Italian? It's a fucking insult to your people. It's an insult to your fucking people. It's like the N-word for us. Is that a cool fucking thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll fucking play. If you've got something you want to say about what I do on television, then say it. But I'm going to fall near you. Hey, man, hey, listen. What? I don't want any problems. Yeah, you're going to have a big fucking problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. Don't fucking insult me like that. I didn't insult you. You call me Fredo. It's like I call you punk bitch. You like that? You want that to be your nickname? I didn't call you that. You called me Fredo. You know my name's not fucking Fredo. I thought your name was. You did not think my name was fucking Fredo. Don't be a liar. I want to be a man. Stand up like a man. Up, man. You wanna be a man out yeah, here? Then up. fucking own it. Then own what listen, you man. said. Hey, then own what you said. Listen, take him yeah, what? Problem with you, man. Yeah, you're gonna have a fucking problem. What? What are you gonna I'll, do about I'll, it? I'll fucking ruin Let's your shit. Then. I'll fucking throw you down these stairs like a fucking punk. Please do. You don't want to sue? You don't want to sue? So you can fucking sue? Well, why don't you do it? Go take a swing. You wanna call me Fredo? Take a fucking swing. Take a fucking swing. Watch your fucking hands. Take a swing. Watch your fucking hands. Take a swing. No, no, come on, boy. Come on, boy. So you wanna call me shit? Call me shit. Hey, listen, man. I'm fucking here. Anything. I'll fucking wreck your shit. Stop. I'll fucking wreck your Chris, shit. Stop. You didn't ask me that. You didn't know what you were doing when you I thought it was your name. I thought it was your name. You didn't know, right? Hey, you didn't know what you were saying, right? I thought it was his name. I'm breaking it up. I'm breaking it up. There you have it, guys. So if you didn't know, just real quick, Fredo was the weaker, underachieving son in The Godfather. Now I'm Italian. And it's not remotely calling someone Fredo is not remotely related to an ethics slur as he put it. it, it's it's literally a name of a fucking fictional character in a movie, all right? It's, it's, it's like equivalent um, to someone saying, bye, Felicia, and then you claiming they said, bye, N-word. Like, w- come on. Like, who would really make that comparison? And Chris Como has called himself Fredo in the past. He has also had guests on calling Don uh, Trump Jr. Fredo, and little Fredo Chris didn't bat an eye. So uh, my question to you then uh, were you openly supporting race, racism and bigotry then? If you believe that's equivalent to calling someone the N-word, were you openly on your show supporting racism and bigotry? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you call it out? You have no problem calling out uh, people all the time for what you believe is racism and bigotry. Now, you claim saying Fredo to someone is racism and bigotry, yet you allow it to happen on your show, yet you've said it yourself, guy. Actually, Fredo gets tossed around a lot on CNN, if you guys weren't aware. And I watch CNN, so I hear it all the time. I actually watch Chris Coma. So I actually, I have a, a, I also have another little clip queued up of all the times Fredo, I mean those ethics slurs and racism, you know, that CNN has tossed out. So let's go ahead and, uh, let's go, let's go ahead and listen to CNN being ultra racist and ultra bigoted towards people. Here we go. But the way that Donald Trump treats him is sort of more Fredo than it is anything else. Donald Trump and the bottom line. His sons, Eric and Fredo, said the majority of them, I think it was Fredo who said they got the majority of their money. You mean Don Jr. Okay, Don Jr. (laughs) Daddy kept Fredo back home. So 
Who cares what Donald Trump Jr. says? Right, because Bannon's... You broke uh, my heart, Fredo. <laughs> Is that five times? Are you a God, Godfather fan? Have you noticed this, Fredo, you broke my Six heart? Times. You know, this, um, when your mother dies or what? That was Fredo from Seven the Godfather. <laughs> I, I only want to show so I can somehow bring up Fredo. It. But if past his prologue, that's... Kind of like Michael giving Fredo a Nine kiss times. on the cheek. But Bannon is capable of coming up with biting nicknames as well. According to Politico, he privately refers to President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, as Fredo. The, uh, you, the, in the book, uh, Steve Bannon calls uh, Don Jr. Fredo, uh, re- reference to the Godfather and the weak son in the Godfather. <laughs> 11 fucking times, guys. Fredo. 11 times. CNN, according to Chris Como has been racist. Yep. And I'm still waiting for them to be completely outraged at themselves. This this joker has also said that saying CNN was fake news was also equivalent as saying the N-word. Talk about being out of touch with reality. This is how out of touch with reality these people actually are. I also like how he said, if in case you, you missed it, in, in Chris Como's little uh, uh, ramble, he 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 told that man, if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a uh, you're gonna have a big fucking problem because I'm a little different on TV. Well, I watch you on TV, guy. So are you also saying you're being a you're you're being fake as fuck when you pro- pro- uh, portray this ultra woke, politically correct, moral authority to the world uh, to the world character? Cool story, Fredo. Cool fucking story, Fredo. All right, guys, that's all I got for you. Um. Remember, we will be off next Monday for Labor Day. Um, I will not labor for anyone, um, so no new episode will be available. Use that time to catch up on any episode you may have missed. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review Chromatic Distortion or uh, on whatever platform you use to hear this beautiful, smooth voice. Uh, follow the Instagram page at Chromatic Distortion Podcast to get those one-minute rants and stay up to date uh, with any update. Uh, enjoy your holiday. Again, I appreciate each and every one of you um, that listens. I hope you made it this far. Remember, the world is full of good people. If you can't find one, be one. Catch you on the flip side. You have just witnessed the lyrical stylistics of chromatic distortion.
champagne glass It makes me wanna stick my dick in your ass So come on baby and pop it quick I'll fall in love with you suck my dick Bitch you don't know, you ain't heard Fucking with me or gonna get served See none of my bitches they never complain So come on baby and pop that thing 